0: So press play on good sleep tonight because a good tomorrow starts with a good night's sleep. Just search for good sleep in your podcast app and be sure to pick the one from Optimal Living Daily. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2840, How to Grow from Your Pain, part one by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. I'm your narrator, Justin Mollock, reading you blogs every single day of the year. Now, today's article is a little longer than normal, so we'll read the first half today and then finish up the rest tomorrow. So with that, let's get right to part one as we optimize your life. How to Grow from Your Pain, part one, by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. Marguerite Johnson was born in the late 1920s in Arkansas. A poor black female in the segregated South, Johnson didn't exactly have a bright future to look forward to. She endured the hardships that virtually all African-Americans endured during and beyond segregation, second-class citizen status, economic and social exclusion, living in near-constant fear of physical threats and terror, and so forth. As if that weren't enough, the particular events of Johnson's life wouldn't make it any easier for her either. At age seven, she was raped by her mother's boyfriend. She told only her brother about it. A few days later, her attacker was found dead. She was so traumatized by these events that she didn't speak a word out loud for another five and a half years. An outcast, both from the outside and from within herself, Johnson was seemingly bound to a hard, lonely life of struggle and isolation. Marguerite Johnson, however, would later change her name to Maya Angelou and become a dancer, an actress, a screenwriter, a poet, a prominent leader in the civil rights movement of the 1960s, and the first black female, to write a best-selling nonfiction book, her memoir, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. She won multiple awards across multiple fields and even gave a presidential inaugural speech in 1993. And what was perhaps most impressive is that at one point, Angelo admitted that she didn't become what she was despite her early trauma. She became what she was because of it. When she wrote, she said she wrote over her scars, scars that only she could see and touch and feel. Let's be real. Trauma is not a good thing in life. All things being equal, none of us should have to experience these horrible things. But all of us do at some point or another. It's just a fact of life. Most of us live through at least five or six traumatic events in our lifetime. We lose someone close to us, get divorced, lose a job, get a scary diagnosis at the doctor's office, get assaulted, and on and on. And more often than not, after one of these events, we'll come out at least a little bit stronger a little bit wiser, and a little bit of a better person. Thriving in the face of trauma. Up until relatively recently, the field of psychology mostly studied the ways in which trauma us up. It makes sense why psychologists thought this for so long. When starting out 100 plus years ago as a quack science, initially it was only the most desperate and disturbed who resorted to seeking psychiatric help. Mainstream people with mainstream problems didn't go see shrinks, because it was still something stigmatized as embarrassing or shameful, and still kind of is. As a result, the first 50 years or so of psychological and psychiatric practices dealt with the really hard cases. You know, schizophrenics, manic depressives, suicidal people, and so on. This created a sort of selection bias. Since psychologists were only studying the most extreme mental health cases, and pretty much all of these cases involved a patient experiencing some terrible trauma at some point, early psychologists came to the logical conclusion that trauma leads to mental health issues. But this, it turns out, is wrong. And in fact, it's often the opposite. It wasn't until psychology and psychiatry became more mainstream that the field began to realize that trauma is incredibly common. In fact, trauma is actually a fact of life. And not only do most of us not succumb to severe mental breakdowns, but many people end up growing and developing into stronger people due to their past pains. As many of 90% of people who experience a traumatic event also experience at least one form of personal growth in the following months and years. These people eventually come to feel a greater sense of appreciation in life, their priorities change, their relationships are warmer and more compassionate, they draw from a greater source of personal strength, and they see new possibilities in their lives they never even considered before. Now, before you go on thinking, OMG, Mark Manson says all I need to do is experience some of that rip out your heart and spit in your face trauma, and then my life will finally be the way I want it. Let's get this trauma started. Uh, no, there's more to it than that. The trauma is not the end, it's the beginning. It turns out that trauma in our lives, in whatever form it takes, isn't actually the thing that makes us stronger in this case. All those inspirational quotes with cheesy sunsets about enduring adversity and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, they all kind of mislead you into thinking that just enduring some form of hardship is enough to steel yourself against future hardship. That's not entirely true. It's what comes after the trauma that really matters. It's not the survival of trauma that makes you stronger, it's the work you put in as a result of the trauma that makes you stronger. Traumatic experiences shake us to the core. They make us question our fundamental beliefs about the world and our place in it. They make us question the degree of benevolence and kindness and predictability in the world and of the people around us. Some traumas serve as stark reminders of our mortality, something most of us don't wanna think about. And then there you are, traumatized and bewildered, lost and questioning everything about your life. At that point, it can basically go one of two ways. One, you fall off the proverbial mental cliff and experience some real sh- that leads to a lot of dysfunction, less common than you think. And number two, you use this as an opportunity to forge a new set of beliefs and a new worldview that is more resilient and enduring than your previous worldview, a lot more common than you think. Think of it like an earthquake that rips through a city. Everything is pretty much f- after the tectonic violence wreaks havoc beneath. But after that, Buildings can be rebuilt with new knowledge of structural integrity and people have the opportunity to design more resilient systems to guard against future earthquakes. The city doesn't just bounce back to its previous state, it's made into a wiser, more resilient city. And so when our lives are disrupted by some tectonic shifting personal sh**, we have the opportunity to rebuild ourselves. We'll carry the memory and the pain of the experience with us no matter what just as the people of a city carry the memory and loss of a natural disaster like an earthquake. The question at that point is, how will we rebuild ourselves? To be continued. You just listened to part one of the post titled, How to Grow from Your Pain, by Mark Manson of markmanson.net. One of the best things you can do for your kids is to teach them how to manage money. And this should be started when they're little. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, GoHenry by Acorns, the smart debit card and learning app for kids 6 to 18. GoHenry helps kids learn about all things money, earning, spending, saving, budgeting, and so much more. You can even track their chores and pay their allowance right in the GoHenry app. And with their GoHenry debit card, they can put their skills to use in the real world. Plus, parents can set spend limits and get real-time notifications whenever their kids use their cards. I seriously wish I had this as a kid. I had to learn about money the hard way as an adult. If my parents had set me up with GoHenry as a kid, learning to adult would have been so much easier. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash old. Terms and conditions apply. Renews from $4.99 per month unless well, canceled. Thank you to Mark. I think that is the question. How do we rebuild ourselves versus ending up with dysfunctions or issues that we have to deal with, which then can take a ton of time and money and pain to get through if we ever get through it? What was different about Maya Angelou that had her become so much stronger on the other side? By the way, that's just part of her story that we heard a small snippet. I recommend looking up more info, either text or videos on her life, it's quite remarkable. But anyway, you have to wonder what sets certain people apart. Mark said that dysfunction after trauma is less common than we might think and that becoming more resilient is probably more the norm, which was actually a citation from the European Journal of Psychotraumatology, so I believe it, but still have to wonder. But anyway, we're only halfway through the post for now, so we'll see what Mark says tomorrow about that. And with that, have a great rest of your day and I'll catch you tomorrow where we'll finish up this post and where your optimal life awaits.